Gary Bay Nerd Chuck, host of Wine Library TV, aka WLTV, and this is BBQ Central. Happy to have you aboard here for the really big barbecue show. Boing. We cook because we have to, and we grill because we want to. Hit me! Fine, how you want? <laughs> you have a great show, I'm a big fan. Boing. So what 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 seems to be the problem here? This man looks like he's dead and he's in the in the crackle. Charbono. It's all about the Charbono, dude. Succulent fish. What? He ate two feet wiener. Well, listen, Lavernius, shut your face. I'm shaking like a dog shit peach seed. <laughs> we have top men working on it right now. All right, welcome into the second hour. It's the Barbecue Central Show. Here we go. If you missed the first hour, you missed a whole bunch of meathead. We talked about Father's Day gifts that are coming up that you're going to want to consider, and time is starting to run out, so don't wait. Amazon completely overwhelmed still. Although they're doing better, i got to be honest. I'm not going to the stores to shop. I'll shop on Amazon. That's coming pretty quickly now. We also talked about his missing of the 2020 Barbecue Hall of Fame and how we thought this might be his year. He was a repeat semifinalist, but that only worked for two-thirds, not all three of the returning nominees. Aaron Franklin and Desiree were also returns, and they both got in, not Meathead. And then we also finished it out talking a little pay-per-view barbecue. Uh, Dennis Busso, by the way, the... Colorado embedded correspondent did get down for the $9.99 and scanning through some of these uh, very quickly following most of the chat from the show, which I let yesterday during the free preview, there was a chat box while you were watching. So you could chat with other people watching. So I assume that's what he's talking about following most of the chat for the show. People were upset that it wasn't live, it was recorded, and they didn't get the behind-the-scenes action they were looking for. It was all pre-recorded, turned out to be a two-hour show, so from 6 to 8 Eastern. And, I mean, I don't... Where's the expectation? I would imagine that the expectation of a pay-per-view event isn't that you're going to be watching something taped, Although, when you watch a movie or some kind of a show on demand, uh, technically that's pay-per-view. Now, you know that a movie has already been produced and it's not something that's going to happen live, but a barbecue contest, a fight club, if you will, these events are typically something that you experience live, so there might be an expectation that you're going to see a live event, not something that took place earlier in the day that they were shooting, and then package together to give you a finished, produced product for two hours. That's what it at least sounds like from Dennis, who was watching the chat during the show. And as I had said before, uh, Dennis will buy anything and everything barbecue-related, even if it sucks. Even if he thinks before he hits the buy button, this thing is a loser's loser, he's still going to pay money for it. He supports the industry second to none. Few rival Dennis's support. The guy has been to Barbecue University. What is it, Dennis? Like five years in a row? I mean, you should be Stephen Reichland's favorite class person. Uh, that would be student <laughs> otherwise. I didn't make it very far in school, ladies and gentlemen. You should be Stephen Reichland's best student ever. He should recognize you every time. Here's my star pupil, Dennis from Colorado. He's traveled around the lower 48 with me as we have had this. So that's some initial feedback from a guy that watched it saying that there were some technical issues, there were some audio issues, there were some video issues, but the bigger gripe was that it was all pre-recorded and done in a two-hour show where the expectation was that it was going to be a live show. 
So we'll see how it goes from there. I'll be interested to follow up with Dane and see what the actual numbers were. and If he's getting any heat from that. Still to come on this show this evening, John Marcus in about 10 minutes. And Dave Bosco from Butcher Barbecue helping me close it out. Don't forget, you can follow me socially at BBQ Central Show on Instagram and Twitter and TikTok. Episode 128 is coming up this Friday on the best moments of the Barbecue Central Show in 10 minutes or less. So make sure that you are subscribed to the podcast in order to hear that if you're not already. This one takes you back all the way to June 2nd, 2015, so about five years from now. And I was joined by Ray Lampy, Dr. Barbecue, who was in an undisclosed location. Am I allowed to say it now? I mean, like the show's over. Am I allowed to get on and uh, start dumping on it immediately? Is that okay? Am I allowed to do that? I don't want to burn any bridges. Ray Lampy was on the show back in June of 2015, and we talked about the year he got into the Barbecue Hall of Fame. That's right. We also talked about burgers, one of my favorite things to eat. Burgers, one of my favorite things to talk about. Burgers. Who doesn't love burgers? We also talked about some other items as well. So as I had mentioned before, make sure you're subscribed to the podcast. Even if you're a live viewer, you're not going to get the best moments of the Barbecue Central Show in 20 minutes or less here in this show. You have to subscribe to the podcast in order to get that special content that John Solberg provides you each and every Friday, first thing in the morning, so you can start your weekend off the right way. And by the way, let me talk about burgers for a second. And I'm not going to sit here and listen to you people tell me what a douche I am for eating Bubba Burgers. No. They don't send me free products. No. They're not paying me for anything. As much as you don't want to believe it, because, oh, every burger apparently it's a Bubba Burger. I'm a big fan of the product, period. I'm a big fan. I know how to cook them. It's as easy as it gets. And oh, by the way, they are delicious. They're also, from a burger standpoint, pretty forgiving. They will stay somewhat juicy even if you go over a bit. The last hamburger shot that I gave you that many of you summarily took a dump on and roundly criticized me for using preformed frozen patties. I went over a little bit. You pointed it out. A lot of you did. A little over for me. Nobody's asking for you. I mean, a little over for me, too. I got busy doing it. But if you look at the picture, get over the color of the meat on the inside and still see how juicy and succulent that meat was. As the cheese was bleeding from the bottom, middle, and top with some fresh dill pickles, some mayo, what are the mustard, mustard A's, mayo turd. I don't know. It's the mayonnaise and the mustard all mixed into one squeeze bottle, whatever the hell they call it. However, getting back to my point, $2 a patty, six in a box. What's not to love? I make my own sometimes. I have a Lemberger press that John Solberg told me to get. I enjoy using it, but I'll be damned if the burger I make with that ground beef in the press is any better than the Bubba. In fact, I might make an argument that the Bubba burger is still better. So bring all the hate you want, but I am inclined to believe that your hate is derived from ignorance. You've never had the gloriousness of a Bubba burger. So your first take is to hate on it, don't hate, appreciate the Bubba Burger. And if you've tried them before and you don't like it and you think I'm a legit kook, fine. Trust your palate. But guess what? More for me. They're delicious. I turn the Weber on, medium heat. That gets me somewhere in the neighborhood of 425 to 450. Flat top side of the grill grates, frozen patty on, come back in four minutes, flip, do it for four minutes at three and a half minutes of the four, put the cheese on top, and we're done. 
It's an eight-minute cook, eight-and-a-half-minute cook. That's it. They're juicy, a little bit of pink in the middle. God, they taste good. But I'm done hearing about how your handmade patties from your freshly ground beef shanks, whatever the hell it is you use, is so much better. Pre-formed patties, Bubba Burger, frozen. F you, they're great. And I stand by the fact that most of you are hating on me because you haven't had them before. Try them first. If you've had them before and you hate them, whatever. This isn't a you're wrong, I'm right, but you're wrong and I'm right. Last week I was telling you if you wanted to own a piece of barbecue history, the Barbecue Central Show studio is up for sale. Well, a week later, I'm here to tell you it is not for sale. It is off the market, and we are in contract on both sides. This house and the new house. We're on contract both sides. Five days, 20 grand over asking. Suck it. That's right. By the way, people getting down on this house, very nice people. They're currently my two favorite people in the world. I'm even I'm even leaving them what I'm about to read you. A Green Mountain Grill! What a nice guy I am! Here's a housewarming gift. One of my favorite pellet cookers with a pizza oven insert. Uh, you go to GreenMountainGrills.com for all the information. There's a choice line and a prime line. Choice line... Doesn't have all the tech. Maybe you don't want all the tech. I'm not necessarily a tech fan. I don't need it. It's not going to sway me one way or the other if it has it because I'm probably not going to use it. That's just me. You might be different. You might want tech out the wazoo. Then you're going to want to look at the prime line. You got the Wi-Fi technology. You have two internal meat probes. You have peek-in windows on the main cooking chamber on the pellet hopper. You have a more robust chassis build on the cooker for the prime. But if you want to save a couple bucks, nothing wrong with the choice line. Still the same amount of space. Still the same model types, Jim Bowie, Daniel Boone. And either line accommodates that pizza oven insert that I just mentioned. If you want something that you can take on tailgates, it appears we're reopening. Tailgating is going to be happening. Sports are going on. I saw a baseball tournament happening two blocks from me at the city park. All day Saturday, all day Sunday. Bring your Davy Crockett with you, because if you don't have access to a traditional power outlet, just plug it into your car or use the battery taps that it has. It'll cook a lot of food. Believe me, you're not sacrificing a ton of quantity for its travelability. Is that a word? I doubt it. GreenMountainGrills.com is the website. Check out all the accessory sauces and rubs as well, plus pellets. Yes, that's right. And we're back with John Marcus. Stick around. Be right back. Visits from a killer hog, a cooking guy, a man named Meathead, the author of Barbecue Bible, a grill girl, a bristly barbecue journalist, and the male feasance of the barbecue world known as the Embedded Correspondence. Only found right here on the Barbecue Central Show. And this portion of the show being brought to you by Pit Barrel Cooker, the most unbelievable outdoor cooking device on the planet. Currently available in two sizes. Whether you're a beginner or professional, this cooker, definitely one you want to add to the arsenal. Visit pitbarrelcooker.com to tell uh, or tell them that the Barbecue Central Show sent you, of course. Lifestyle Room just announced. My next guest brought barbecue to the small screen and, I guess, big screen to a certain degree. And in doing so, exposed a whole generation of ladies and gentlemen's to the world of live fire competition, barbecue cooking, or just live fire in general. 
He was on the 2020 Barbecue Hall of Fame semifinal list of names. And little-known fact, born a Buckeye, but now residing in New York City and points north and east. We welcome back one of the most accomplished writing minds of all time. Just my opinion, of course, but many would back me in such a opinion. John Marcus rejoins the show. Hey, John. Great. Great to be here. How are we doing technically? Am, am I up to the level of speed that you normally have? Here? Uh, I mean, everything is, uh, I mean, you know, are, are we going to break it down to say lighting and, you know, all this other stuff? I mean, come on, what are we doing? We're not uh, shooting television here. We're really shooting for really high quality audio, which is how this show is mostly consumed. So the fact that you've even made time at this hour is uh, just enough for me. I, everything else is great cream on the coffee as my dutch boss used to say back in the day um i have a lot of available time during this sheltering in period and i wouldn't spend it anywhere but with you i like by the way i just want to compliment you on how well you're lit and i kind of am feeling like i'm away on a like at a fishing lodge when I'm talking to you. I feel like maybe I've caught you in between scenes shooting Ozark or something like that. <laughs> well, uh, let's say that's what I'm shooting. Okay. Well, that's, uh, it's my newest. Uh, I mean, it's not even a guilty pleasure. It's just the show that we happen to be semi-binging one or two episodes. I mean, uh, look, I, I'm not, immediately I'm going to diverge from topic. But as I watch uh, streaming television now, because it's uh, not anything like network television used to be nobody knows that better than you and here i'm watching the show i mean jason bateman has been on television for what 750 years i remember when he was on silver spoons now he's uh, this guy on ozark and he has had many successful uh jaunts through i think it was arrested development before this a number of things uh here and there uh successful sister obviously but i'm watching this show and when we get through one episode i look at my wife i'm like damn that seemed like it was really long, like a legitimate hour, and there's no ads. Is streaming something that you ever foresaw coming to the stage in this way? I mean, it has really kind of taken over the way we watch anything. I, I think that uh, it was beginning to grow on, uh, on Americans and on the world because basically what used to exist was appointment television. That's the old days. And, you know, when I started in TV, makes me sound a bit like grandpa to say that. <laughs> That's why I'm wearing a kind of a hipper face scarf. Very here. nice. And uh, uh, this the doubles as like a COVID tool. Yes. If I need it. So, but, but uh, otherwise, I look like I could be hanging out in Soho. <laughs> well, in case you were wondering, too, uh, because you can't tell distance side by side, we are six feet away from each other. <laughs> no problem. Um, I only wish I was six feet away from you. That'd be back in my Buckeye home state, That's which right. is kind of behind me. What I have a tribute to here, which is the uh, the decal sign. Yes, decal. Yeah, yeah. That's right, and that's sort of I grew up with those signs in the cornfields around me, and I was able to find one of them, and I have it nailed up to my wall here, upstate New York, and it's very nostalgic to me. Yeah. So. I wanted to have you on because the you didn't answer your streaming question. Oh, though. yes, I'm sorry. Go ahead. I'm rushing no, that's through. Okay. No? I'm 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 the person that always can return us to the conversation because Greg really, I just assume we could go for an hour you and me, can't oh, we? Oh, I mean easily an hour. I think we proved that when we uh, joined each other in person at Katz's Deli uh, this past September, which was, you know, for me uh, one of my most treasured memories, uh, certainly getting married, birth of my kids. But outside of that, uh, I don't know if there has been anything more joyful to me to have somebody who I had met online through barbecue, talking about barbecue television, and then to be in the concrete jungle of New York City where dreams are made to have a pastrami sandwich with John Marcus in person, absolutely blew my mind. Uh, still cloud nine for me. It was an absolute fabulous experience, and I appreciate you taking the time to meet me. I, I had such a good time that I want you to know I have not been back to Katz's since. We have broken the mold on Katz. <laughs> I'm, I'd go with you at special occasion. If I, you know, uh, you you uh, are a, a very uh, you're on a very short list of barbecue friends, Greg. So I would, you know, you. it would be, it's a great pleasure to have, to have gone with you there. We had fun. Uh, but uh, basically, 
quickly about streaming. Yes. Yep. We we when appointment television went out of the way, when people began to have what they wanted in life, which was their own schedules. They didn't they don't want people to tell them when to be in front of the television set, which really gave traction to streaming in the beginning. But now, of course, this whole what we've gone through as a culture has really turned us into uh, people that want to just stay in or have to stay in and watch. It's a hard you run out of things to do unless you get to sit down and let somebody do the work for you, which is what television does. It does the work for you. I was wondering that at this stage, if streaming is this popular from a television standpoint, that this would also be the momentum gain where podcasts, because if you think about it, uh, podcasting has been around long before streaming television has been around, but yet it still seems to be something that's new or people are just finding out about it. Well, meanwhile, streaming television has become so accepted. I have to figure at this point, podcasting is going to a snowball even in more success due to the uh, wide acceptance of streaming television, or at least that's my hope. Uh, I think, you know, it's a content-driven business. I think that you have a compelling show, and if somebody is at all remotely interested in the topic, they're going to want to sit down with you and hear the show. So it's, again, you know, uh, we're all about the the niches of society now. I not, never know whether to say niches or niches, but but it's one of those two. And and special interest. They just gone are the days of having to have huge audiences. But I right. mean, I'm assuming. Uh, I I don't know the size of your audience, but I'm assuming it grows constantly because of the interest in this matter. And you are out front, my friend. You've been there for a long time. Yeah, we're going on 12 years uh, just this past February. So we're uh, doing it live now for a a dozen years, if you can believe it or not. Doesn't that make you among the first of podcasters? Yeah. I mean, I don't think I'm uh, that... uh, who was that DJ that was credited with like the first podcast? Adam somebody or other. Adam Curry, I think, was the first podcaster credited. But certainly, I mean, back in 2006, it was uh, 2007. It was something that nobody was really doing or they were just. To, it was the worst. Basically, it was the worst back then. And thank God uh, advances in technology and, and my want to provide a quality product has never a waiver. So now we sound good. Now we look good. But oh my yeah. God, you know, those first five or 10 were just the worst. And they sounded like, remember the old teleconference thing where you call in for work and, you know, everybody joins together. Well, it sounded like everybody was on a teleconference. You know why? Because everybody was on the telephone and they were just using this recording piece. It was horrible, horrible on every aspect. And I was bad and the questions, it was all bad. We got better. We practice. We learn to speak. We learn to craft questions. We do research. We prep. We do all this stuff like professionals. And now we are a polished, I say we, me, a polished machine trying to access all of the, uh, like the ESPN of the live fire industry. That's what I tell people when they want that very quick five second elevator pitch. Uh, well, your show from the very beginning had a certain charm. Uh, I, I personally, I, I, I miss hearing the boat horn in the audience cheers. Do those not happen anymore? These? <laughs> oh, I was yeah. hoping that would. I, I thought I went for a long time without it, so I was feeling a little insecure. <laughs> but uh, I want to also tell you that I was just, we were just interrupted by a text message from Meathead. Oh, Meathead. Who right. basically accused me of stealing the DeKalb sign. Really? The nerve of yeah. that guy. Wow. And and you know what? I'm going to say basically uh, no comment to that accusation. Yeah. Uh, guess what, John? We don't uh, have party to non-barbecue Hall of Famers. That's what I have to say about <laughs> oh, that. You pound salt, oh, oh. meathead. Get out of here in my conversation. So let's talk about that for a sec. Uh, you, this year, you, you make the short list or the semi-finalist of yeah. nine names. Uh, for the folks that aren't familiar, people have a, a big window of just nominating whoever you want. Those names are held into a big pool. And then at some point, the uh, nominating committee whittle the mass names down to nine. And you make the nine. So where does that uh, fit with you? Like, uh, did you ever have any thought? Had you ever given any thought about the Barbecue Hall of Fame to any degree at any point? Um, I 
you know, I've followed it, and I'm I'm friends with many of the inductees, yeah, yeah. and uh, I have always thought it to be a, a really uh, a, a, a you know this the organization has a lot of history, and uh, I just felt it was uh, I was just happy when I heard that I had made that list. And and I'm happy to this day about it. I still have a glow that was completely when the announcements of who made it came out. My glow didn't change. Honestly, I have a uh, I couldn't believe the names that were sh that I was sharing the list with. Yeah. So yeah. I, I I I thought about yeah, I'd be dishonest to say like, well, it never occurred to me that I might have a shot at that. That, that would be dishonest. Uh, but you know, I I don't come to barbecue. Uh, with the same history that many of the people who've gotten in come to it with. I mean, they'd been at it a long time, although uh, I was cooking for about three years before barbecue, uh, the All-Star Barbecue Showdown happened, before I met Chris Lilly, who, when I was at Big Bob Gibson in Decatur, Alabama, doing a radio broadcast from there. And after all the crowds went home, uh, Chris Lilly said to me, uh, we should do an iron chef with barbecue mm. you and i should do this and and i that's when i said you mean you mean cast iron chef that's probably <laughs> what we should call it and um uh so i've been cooking for a couple of years at that point i mean i had a rotisserie cooker uh and uh i was i had learned how to do ribs properly so I haven't, still haven't been at it as long as a lot of these, a lot of these folks that, that are getting in. So I think it's, you know, it's it's uh, um, a really important part of the history of what's happening with the KCBS and with uh, with all that. But uh, but but uh, you know, uh, it's just good to be part of that crowd. Is there any convolution or uh, misunderstanding about? From a, I'm asking you to speculate, like maybe on a general public sense of of what the Barbecue Hall of Fame is. Is it competitors? Is it restaurateurs? Is it folks that have contributed in some way outside of those respective divisions? Does there need to be some kind of a more defined role or for, uh, focus for the hall to have in order to gain more of a grassroots support from general public, or or perhaps? Are are we fooling ourselves in the fact that while we are within the subculture and we have really gone through the layers, uh, most people uh, aren't like us and uh, perhaps don't even care? <laughs> well, I <laughs> listen, when uh, I tell friends who are not part of the barbecue world that I was a nominee, uh, they want to know more. Because barbecue itself comes with this great curiosity. Uh, as as we've talked about before, like I spend a lot of time in my my city apartment on 72nd Street in Manhattan there. And it's it's a building where there's uh, I ride up and down in elevators. And back in the day, hopefully we're opening back up and I'll be in an elevator one more once more. But uh I was stunned at the uh, that the at the range of people and the amount of people that are aware of barbecue pitmasters mm -hmm. that know the show because these are city people mostly, and um, there is a great curiosity about the subject, and they find the characters compelling who do this and the passion because there's always passion, so that that intrigues people. So. Um, will it be the same amount of people that say sit down and watch a golf match uh, on television or follow it? I don't know that. But at the same time, I think that the Hall of Fame, because we come to barbecue from so many different directions, the Hall of Fame has to be inclusive of many different kinds of skills and contributions, right? So are you there because you started the podcast that that is really one of the leaders of in the field and also initiated uh, this uh, the culture uh, uh, in media as you did? Or are you there because you cook great or because you own the first restaurant in the United States uh, in the east or in the south? 
So I think it's a wide range. I don't know if they should narrow it or define it more. I mean, if my question to you, Greg, is like if they were to make it more defined and more, you know, uh, something that we could texturize and hold, what would we do? What what should they do to narrow it? Uh, when I had Meathead on in the last hour, I said to him that I thought the biggest issue or hurdle to overcome is as the Hall of Fame continues to make its way through and become more popular and do things like come on my show and, and do exclusive stuff to get in front of the target market, if you will. It, whenever they bought the horrible online existence as it was originally created and just kind of remained stagnant for any number of years. And then the transaction happened. Maybe there should have been a really large induction at that point of people that were well in the past. A lot of people that have been deceased, big names. These people aren't going to be coming to any induction ceremonies or anything, but their names that are relevant, that added to the history and the culture and that are hall of fame worthy. I don't know if they're ever going to get brought back, even with the advent of this legacy category that is in there now that was just introduced. That, that to me, that's a disconnect that I don't know if, if we will have enough time, and maybe we will because there's indefinite time ahead of us, and I assume this will continue on, where we make that correction. But until then, I think there's always going to be some kind of a look back over the shoulder on, is this correct or is it not? And I certainly believe that it's heading in the right direction. and. There's plenty of stuff that you can just argue about minutia that doesn't really matter. And I always said, we will know we are at the right spot for this Hall of Fame when all we're really doing is arguing about the names of nine on that short list, like the finalists for Major League Baseball, the finalists for the NFL. If that's all we're arguing about at that point, then we have hit every single other right spot because that's the only conversations that need to be taking place. And I don't know if we're in that place yet. Um. I'm all for uh, – something happened to me today that's relevant to this, which is uh, – so I decided I was going to cook a couple of rotisserie chickens for dinner. Yeah. And I, I got this this added tool. I, I'm not going to name products because I, I, I don't want to cause trouble. But there's this tool that goes on my big green egg that's a rotisserie. And I've not done much rotisserie cooking, so I've been doing that. And it's a lot of fun, and it's easy, and and usually turns out pretty well, although I kind of screwed the pooch tonight. I'm going to admit that. Uh, but where did I go to get my chicken? About 15 miles from my house here, two butchers started a meat automat in Hudson, New York. Meat now, automat? An automat, like what used to be horn and hard arts and these old automats in New York city and where you'd go in and put a quarter in and get your lunch, get your meatloaf. Yeah. <laughs> they do it with meat. I, I think they're geniuses. Wow. wow. I can go in there 24 seven and get fresh chicken or fresh pork butt or, or steak, or they do sausage mixes. It, it's, it's beyond brilliant. And like, well, why wouldn't they at some point go into the barbecue hall of fame? Right. It's innovative. It contributes greatly. And uh, I, I, I bet you you have listeners out there that are going to just steal this idea and open up a meat automat where they live. Ohio State had uh, a similar item, but it was only for bacon. They had bacon vending machines installed <laughs> in a, uh, like a spring semester a year or two ago. And it was like easily the hottest selling thing. It was always sold out. I'm not, and I'm not kidding. So whatever, whatever, why are, why isn't this a national franchise? Why can't I go get, yeah. I can get bacon at the meat automat, but I can get every other cut of meat. But what happened to the bacon automat? Well, then they just took them out. Like it's a, a special time, you know, thing maybe for finals or something like that, just to keep people motivated. But then I think they realized they were not going to be able to keep this thing stocked no matter what. And then they were ultimately hiked off campus, and that was it. But it was a rousing success, perhaps bigger than they thought. It, it, it sounds like with the right kind of planning and the right research and development, they could probably do that nationwide. There's certainly, I could have brought home bacon tonight. And uh, I, I, think, I think that um, 
they hit it before the pandemic happened. They were doing this automat thing in Kingston, New York, and one other location. And the, the 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 you know the wheel, the roulette wheel, has turned right in the right direction for them. Yeah. And it's pretty great. I will tell you that one of my uh, occasionally I'll get like intrigued by certain little concepts and 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 I'll even invest in something a little bit, you know, to be part of it. And I got talked into what's considered the holy grail of vending machines. What would you guess, Greg, that would be? What's the holy grail of vending machines? Uh, beer. Uh, beer is good, but that's, uh, you know, that's out there, right? There's beer, there's beer vending machines, I, I think, aren't there? I don't know how you could possibly do that. That would seem to be highly illegal. Uh, well, I guess, you know, I, I live in parts of New York where a lot of illegal things happen. <laughs> But, okay, the holy grail of vending is the French fry. Oh, okay, yeah, right. And they have tried for almost 30 years to perfect the French fry vending machine. I just don't see how that could possibly happen. I mean, there's so uh, – are you frying it? Are you air frying it? Uh, I mean – Exactly. Yeah. And and I think Orida got in on it, and they oh, tried oh. with you know frozen potatoes. They tried, yeah. tried to do it that way. This particular invention, which was uh, backed by a, a well-known name of someone who had countless, endless funds, mm. uh, the way it worked was it was a uh, it was a mix. It was a powder that got hydrated. Water was added to the powder, and then it formed a paste, which was extruded through a like a filter that turned it into French fries, and then dropped into hot oil. Oh my! Oh my! And I saw this thing work, and I thought, you know what? I don't know what it's going to take to just be part of this, but I'm in. Really? Yeah. <laughs> Lost every penny. Oh, I, oh, I, 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 Oil inside of a vending machine screams <laughs> disaster to me. I, I mean, I don't even see how that could be approved. I, 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 I consider me a sucker for things that really taste good. These yes. things were fantastic. Yeah, I, but, I, I want it to happen, believe me, but the practical side of me sees nothing but disaster waiting to happen. You know, Greg, I only wish to God I had known you back then. <laughs> I could have saved you. I would have probably, you know, been able to keep keep a hold of that dough. But but it was a great adventure and a lot of fun. And the truth is, the first time I got to go and actually test one of the machines, I went to this guy's apartment. He had two machines there. He had a penthouse at the UN Plaza, which is sort of a fancy, fancy place. Oh, wow. And I, I know this story makes me sound like a ripe grape, but if <laughs> then so be it. And, and I put the buck in the machine. He said, just do it. Just get your French fries. Oh, oh. And, and the tip off was that at lunch when I met with him, he was already drunk. Yes. Yeah. So that should have, I should have been out. But I bought the French fries, put in the money. I saw the machine work mm -hmm. and it's, it actually spit them out all over the floor. Oh, it didn't even work that good. It didn't even work <laughs> that good. And I was still in. <laughs> yeah. I mean, the, the, getting you to spend the money and watching it work. If it would have came out in the little paper boat, maybe that. That would have probably been it. You probably would have been I, at your parents asking them for every red cent, too, and everybody would have been on the poor farm. I would have brought so many people down with me. Oh, my Lord. Yeah, that would be crazy. But that, I mean, that guy had it right. I mean, he was having you buy in literally, watching yes. it work. And, it, I mean, you were, you were hook, line, and sinker at that point. I think those people are called fun. con artists where I come from, John. I mean, I don't know. <laughs> Spitting French fries across the floor. Uh, let me uh, let me let me ask you one question here because um, I have uh, Dave Bosca coming up here in a few minutes. I was talking with Meathead again at the end, talking about uh, you know the state of barbecue television, and I refer to your run as the golden years of oh, barbecue nice. TV. Uh, well, it, thank you. It we was had a, we had some good years, many years, and I mean, John, a lot of people that I talked to, even uh, the two guys I'm going to be doing an interview with tomorrow for their podcast. Both were inspired originally by the Barbecue Pitmasters TV show. And I mean, it's been countless numbers of people that come on when I say, hey, how did you get into barbecue? Uh, inevitably, if it's not the first or second thing they say, it's always Barbecue Pitmasters in some form or fashion. So it's off the table now. There doesn't appear to be anybody looking to make some semblance of what a Barbecue Pitmasters used to look like in whatever form that was. And there were plenty of iterations there, both 
uh, good, bad, and ugly, depending on who you're asking. There was an attempt at a pay-per-view event this evening. Did you did you know about this? Did you see this going across the interwebs I, I, at all? No, I didn't know about it, and I can only imagine what that was like. Do you think at, at all, knowing what we know about streaming television and people wanting uh, things to be handed to them and uh, where or where not the pop is that right the popularity of uh, competition barbecue is do you think that that could be a viable platform going forward talking about i mean holding everything aside of course uh, audio production video production all this but from a concept standpoint do you think a pay-per-view platform getting six of the best competition cooks together and putting something together has some legs in the future uh, you know, it all comes down to the execution. Yes, the answer is yes. And uh, it all comes down to uh, the people you cast in it. Uh, are you, uh, I mean, you know, after we ran for like in various, you know, iterations, we ran eight, nine seasons on the show. Yep. As I like to say, it was the only show I've ever worked on that was canceled five times. Right. <laughs> um, but uh, if, if, it has to be new, Greg. In some way, there has to be. And, and I pitched to the network uh, about how to take the show when it was getting tired and make it new. But they felt they knew better at that point. So yeah. they didn't. They, but I think there is a way to do it. Let me put it this way, Greg. And this is going to sound like really uh, egotistical. Great. Yes. The answer is yes. If I did it. Yes. You know what? That's what Meathead said. That's what he's like. If John Marcus wasn't a part of this, he's like, then it's probably doomed from the beginning. So, because he's a guy you know, that knows production, that knows production value, that has the eye for it. And if he's not a part of it, I fear for everybody involved. Hey, the truth is, there's somebody that's going to come along and going to have great ideas and is a fan. And, you know, it's, it's, uh, I certainly would love to be part of it. Let's put it that way. And pay per view, your big struggle with doing it as pay per view is that you really the minimum time cooking stuff is like four hours yeah what you what do you do with that time you know and and you got to figure out a way to to have it during the down times to have things that are compelling and interesting and fun to watch and yeah there's a way to do it but you gotta like spend some money and plan it and you got to have the right cast you have to have people in it that like are new and different and feel feel like they're bringing new energy to it and excitement to it. It's 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 tough to do it right, but it, you can do it. John, I certainly appreciate the time this evening, and you can follow John socially on the Twitter at BBQ Pitmasters, uh, where he may or may not be musing more one day than the other, but uh, it's just like all of us here as we work through this coronavirus. I uh, hope you stay well, and uh, let's do this again a lot sooner than three years from now. I, I, uh, I've missed doing it. So, uh, anytime. All right. It's thanks. great to be here. There Thank he you, man. You got it. John Marcus okay. right there on the show. He's won Emmys for crying out loud and he's sitting here right on the show. All right. I apologize. Cause I'm going, I'm going from one to the next, believe it or not. I'm going to go from one to the next joining me now is the pit master of uh, what is the longest running uh oh uh oh uh oh I hope he got that note now I'm wondering if I screwed up I don't know I'll, I'll go back Ooh, that looked like he had been hacked at some point is that right let's see Nope. Uh oh. Okay. Quickly going back. Oh, oh, oh. He's not online. What? Hmm. What if we try the the phone? Oh boy. Let's go to the phone. It's going to it's going to ring. Ooh, I hate that. But now I'm in uncharted territory here, so I don't know. We'll go with a phone call. Were you seeing me come up on Skype? You what? Were you seeing me come up on Skype or no? Nope. Nope. Hmm. 
Did you change names? I don't know that answer. Butcher BBQ. Butcher BBQ? Yeah. Right, hold on. Hold on. Let's see. B-U-T-C-H. Is it one word, Butcher BBQ? No. Butcher BBQ. Oh, there you are. Okay, I'm going to hang up with you right now. Yep. All right. I mean, yeah, he did. Butcher BBQ. This is probably what they call the uh, the show line. Wow. Hey, hey. Oh, my Lord. There he is, sounding like a million bucks. Looking like a billion bucks, by the way. Now we're... Rocking and rolling here. So you did. I think you. I think you might have had a Dave Bosca Skype, and then I forgot that you did one for probably for the show, right? Yeah, that's probably yeah, right. All right, so we're ready to go. Here. I probably forgot too. That's all right. I knew we would figure it out. I mean, we are a veritable brain trust between the two of us. Be blowing up cities and yeah. changing regimes without any doubt. So I uh, apologize for being late here, but I was talking with John Marcus about some uh, good times, old times, and new times here. So. Uh, speaking of new times, by the way, uh, this is what we call new product announcement time, which is my favorite time. Dave, you're ever the innovator. I mean, as a guy who has a incredible product line existing already for the butcher product uh, for the butcher barbecue products, then you started the uh, wild seasonings line, which is uh, you know more of the game kind of stuff, uh, sausage and so forth, and then. Continuing to add to the product's portfolio, we are ready to introduce a new product. I mean, I've, I've seen it kind of rolling out here, but first on, a, on this show tonight. What do we introduce? I don't know what you're talking about. What are you talking no. about? <laughs> Good night, everybody. Yeah. Yeah, that's it. <laughs> everybody knows, and I can, off the Barbecue Pitmasters, the All-Stars edition, we used a product called Barbecue Mud. Hmm. Everybody knows what that is as far as what it was on. Every time that show re-airs, I get phone calls. I get text messages. I'm still getting emails with people going, where can I find this? Where can I find this? And what it is, is it is a very thick beef product. And we've made it more retail friendly than what we had exactly on the show. But it is the same flavor. We've got the same dry spices in it that what we had there. It is a liquid version, and it should be out in about 10 days. Hmm. This is going to be something that you're adding to a brisket in place of something? Uh, so uh, rubs or stuff, or is it like a soak or, or what? Or like a big thick um, uh, covering, like a big blanket? It is very thick in texture. Yeah. Uh, when you shake up a bottle... It'll coat the inside of the bottle without oh, a doubt. Wow. Whenever, let's say you marinate your steaks, uh, your portobello mushrooms, I've given it to about 10 people around here to go cook with. I didn't give them any ideas. Yeah. I just said, here, here's something I want you to cook with. And I took their ideas. I cooked, took their thoughts. I, I listened to ups and downs. We've been using this for probably two years wow. in all honesty. It's just that it's now that's at the final form to where I'm very happy and it can be mass produced. Um, I have a made in Oklahoma product here. This is made in Tulsa, Oklahoma. Hmm. So it is uh, a homegrown product without a doubt. And you've obviously seen success with it on the competition trail. So from that perspective, it is a proven product, but now you're giving it to people to cook with. So as I like to say when I'm uh, doing your read, not only is are your products tested on the competition circuit, but also well-proven here when I'm using them in the backyard. I mean, my girls uh, love the honey rub, love a lot of your sauces and stuff. So uh, you're seeing success from a, a lot of different things. It's not just relegated to a backyard or the competition scene. You get it from both ends, which is, from a business standpoint, uh, really good too. So uh, the barbecue mud is going to be coming out. Is this like a pre-order thing or just uh, mark your calendars 10 days from now and come back and hit the website and start ordering? I'm thinking in 10 days it should be on the website to order. And I've been using it in my brisket uh, wrap. Um, so in competition, that's what I've been using it on. Okay. Um, new products outside of Barbecue Mud. Do you see any more coming in the year of 2020 or is this going to be it? 
No, there's a good chance there's a couple more coming down the road. Why we- this uh, lock-in-place thing is, has got me doing too much. I was going to say, I mean, when, <laughs> when you're not on the road doing your normal run of barbecue competitions, uh, I mean, you're either stuck in a place where you're just going crazy or you're realizing that you're trapped in place, and now the creative yeah. juices start flowing. So whether you're working on uh, shows to get in the backlog or – other products to continue to diversify. You're obviously taking the the action versus just sitting there wondering when it's all going to end. Yeah, I've always been the one to step out of the box. And that's, I mean, I got the grilling oils. We've got these injections. We've got this mud coming out. And the reason it's taken me so long to to do this is, I just was never happy with what we used on the show. I mean, it was good, but it wasn't retailable. I don't know if that's a word or not, but hey, I, like I don't it. know if it's retailable. Yeah. Um, but I'm very happy with this finished product. I mean, I am super, super happy with it. How do you go from something that you don't feel you can retail and work it into a retailable product? A lot of testing, a lot of testing. I went up to the place that's making this for me and I said, okay, this is what I've got. This is what I've been doing. Let's take what you have as far as your ingredients and let's do this. This is what I want to do with it. And let's tell me if it can be put into your kettles and cooked and, and processed out and go through your bottling system. And there were some yeses, some nos, um, things like that. But actually what this is, this is a very, Gosh, I wish I, I gave my last bottle to Levi um, yesterday. He was cooking some tri-tips. So I wish I had some. I'd show you what the, the, the finished product looks like. But it's going to come in a bottle like our liquid injections. Mm-hmm. But, I mean, it's going to be rich, thick, and black. Um, that's the best way to describe it. Was there ever a point where you thought you weren't going to be able to get it to where you wanted it to, to bring it to retail? Or you always thought that there was going to be some things you could change around to get it there? For the last four years, yes. I never thought yeah. I was going to be able to. Oh, really? Wow. We <laughs> Yeah. Wow. It, I, because I kept trying it in a paste form like what we had. Mm-hmm. And that's where we were having problems with it was getting it packaged in paste form and the flavor staying what I wanted. Because with it being in a paste form, how everybody, if they did it the way I was doing it on the show, rub it on the outside the the thickness how much you put on did it fall off when it was soaking in did it fall off when it was cooking there was never anything that would make a great finished product hmm. until i decided to go liquid then it covered all surfaces dave Bosca joining me here on the show butcherbbq.com is the website in about 10 days from now you can head on over and grab some barbecue mud as he said uh, and that's a great name is that just something that fell off the tongue or i mean how does that name come about well, we were actually sitting at the our table on the show, and we were we were putting it on some ribeyes. Some, I think there were cowboy ribeyes, and we tested it. We tasted. And we thought ah, it needs a little something. Levi said, "Well, let's put this on there," which what we'd had because we'd used it at the house on from prime ribs, and we're sitting there just applying it. And one of the judges, I don't even remember who, which one, but I'm thinking it was Myron said, said, David, what do you got there? And I heard Levi whisper in my ear. He said, looks like, uh, mud. And I just <laughs> looked up at him and I said, it's barbecue mud. <laughs> and that's, that's how it got its name. <laughs> wow. Stuck ever since. And that's why everybody's been asking you about barbecue. mud. I mean, it's amazing that just little off the cuff things like that are what people latch on to and they see you okay so you win that category you end up winning that show and you end up winning this and, that, and they all roll it back to barbecue mutt that's what he used to win and now yeah. they're asking you for it i mean it just goes to show it just only takes one thing for people to latch on to you see you see a little success and now all this thing starts to gain momentum and here you are all these years later of thinking this thing was going to wind up dead in the water ready to bring to market if you Google it right now, there is still an active thread on one of the barbecue forums that is still talking about this product. Every time it re-airs, someone gets on there and asks another question. Has anybody seen this yet or, or, or questions about it? What do you think it is? Things like that. So it is still active and it's out there. So I'm pretty excited. Well, you're going to be closing and the not loop. Only, go ahead. I'm so sorry. No, I was going to say you're finally closing the loop on this one too. 
Yeah. And not only can you go to our website, I highly love sending people to our stores. We are pre-ordering right now with our retail stores and that's just our SOP and we will ship it to the stores. And so we want you to be able to go there and find it as well as our website all at the same time. From a competition standpoint this year, Dave, I know it's still looking a little weird and some places might uh, look like they're opening a little bit more than others. Are you foreseeing some competitions here before the end of the year or have you made other plans to stay busy outside of competition then? we had to one this weekend oh you did yeah, we are we are this coming. Oh, oh okay this coming weekend uh, where is that one at wagner oklahoma there's 60 teams in it holy boy. and it's going to be a pretty stacked one it's going to be a real fun one to be fun to see everybody again but we get this one uh kicked off and rolling and then we've got a big hiatus unless i want to travel a couple states away but i'm going to do everything i can on my end to support the contest in oklahoma at the end of the year there it seems like all of them are just stacking in real quick um one on top of another but we're going to do everything we can. If they're willing to have a contest for us, I want to go cook it. Is there anything that they have told you that you're going to have to do as far as distance or staying away from people or anything like that? Or is it just throwing caution to the wind and as, as normal as it was last year? No, it's not normal as last year. Um, whoever does your turn-in boxes will have to be carrying a – and I'm going to call the brand Clorox wipe, one of the yep, yep, yep. Uh, cleaner wipes. And in front of the reps, before you set it down, you will have to clean the outside of the box with this uh, cleaner before you give it to them so that it can go into the judge's tent in a clean manner. Okay. But they haven't said that every team has got to set up uh, so many feet apart or uh, no social collecting. Or I mean, look, I mean, you get 60 teams together in a place what hasn't seen each other in three months and doing what they normally do. I talked to guys that run the Pitmasters podcast out there in Utah when they did the state contest there a couple of weeks ago, and they said, geez, we didn't even realize it, but then all of a sudden we're just all collected together because we haven't seen each other in a while, and we're doing what we like, and innately we're human, and we want to group together, and all of a sudden we're being yelled at, you know, get six feet apart, get six feet apart. I would assume you're anticipating a similar things happening you guys are just going to get together because it's just going to happen it's going to yes i i assume something will happen like that but this particular contest they've got a stacked in like uh cordwood on the on the street where there is like a two block area they're putting 60 teams so i think that it's going to be self-induced for the organizer no doubt uh so uh, are you worried about that at all or you know fuck it I take precautions. I'm not stupid with it. I don't go overboard with it, but I respect anybody that does uh, have to or want to. I've got a 77-year-old mom that I don't want to bring this home to. We've got a, a eight-month-old grandchild I don't want to bring this home to. So I do my precautions. I don't I don't preach it, but I don't condone anybody who does, who wants to uh, live that. That's, that's great. All right. Uh, Dave Bosco from Butcher Barbecue joining me here on the show. Uh, Dave, you're 31 episodes in. I assume you're getting ready to release another one here, so probably closer to 32. But 31 currently available in your podcast feed. Uh, are you still good on content as far as the show goes? And uh, how have things changed over the first 31 shows? Yes, we've got I got a lot of people on deck, I should call it. Um, we have been so busy for the last two weeks that I haven't had a chance to do a lot with it. But – and our internet hasn't helped here. Um, we've been struggling with good internet on top of that. And it's hard to run an internet business without internet, let alone trying to, uh, tape a podcast. I, uh, right now I have two computers running one. We're working with you on with a, a hot box. And I got another one right here beside me. Yeah. That's running on a, a different Wi-Fi system because I can't use as much bandwidth on one versus the other. Oh, wow. So it's, it's, it's been difficult as far as that, but yes, I, I'm enjoying doing them. And what's changed was I would say episode 10 or 11. I started doing the old fashioned job. I, I put some time in it and, uh, started editing it and I felt like I got okay at it. I, I think there's some to do. I've leaned on you a lot, listened to a lot of what you said. I highly respect that. And thank you for your sure. insights on that. No doubt. 
your most recent show uh, I was listening to while I was painting bedrooms last weekend. It was really good. You were talking with your uh, marketing and, and branding guy and through a lot of key items. One that stuck out to me was consistency through the brand, especially the logo. And while you have made some minor tweaks here and there, depending on what product you are using a, a different logo on, a podcast or a new line of seasoning, whatever the case may be, there were a lot of things that were smacking of the butcher barbecue product line. Why do you guys decide to maintain that versus going in a completely different direction if you're doing something completely different? There's something that's coming out here real quick, and I, I'm obligated I can't talk about too much, but they wanted to use my name on it. And I'm like, guys, you go Google up David Bosca. What do you find? Yeah, right. Butcher Barbecue. You go Google up Butcher <laughs> Barbecue. What do you find? Yeah. There's a whole lot more. So the brand name is what's out there, and that's 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 why we push the brand Butcher Barbecue. We changed the podcast from white to a yellow background. I just wanted something a little bit different with that as far as a marketing type. I just wanted it to stand out to where if they seen that, the, the logo is there. And that's what I still wanted to remain the same. But on the other side, I wanted it to be an eye appeal and stand just a little different. Dave Bosca is the pit master of Butcher Barbecue. You can look for the new product, Barbecue Mud, coming out in about 10 days. So make sure you hit up the website over there and grab yourself a bottle or 17. I'm sure Dave will be much appreciate on that. And in the meantime, subscribe to his podcast. And uh, continued success this coming weekend, Dave. Uh, bring home the grand champion. As you know, you show up here on a Tuesday. You win on a Saturday. Oh, yeah. It's just the way it happens, so it's a lock. But uh, we'll uh, we'll wish you good luck anyway since you're on the show. And I always appreciate the time, the long-time sponsorship of the show, Dave. I uh, really appreciate it. Greg, thanks a lot. I appreciate the time. You got it. There he is, Dave Bosca from Butcher Barbecue right there as we are a little long right now, but more than happy to do that. So I have some things that I need to get done. First, in the name of reads, like the Butcher Barbecue read, believing that outdoor cooking can be easy and fun because it can be, especially with the Monolith Barbecue Edition Grill, the world's first true Temperature-controlled smoker with a built-in power draft fan. This means smarter control and greater freedom with automatic pit temperature control devices. Easily choose your cooking time and temperature. Let the monolith do the work of a sous chef or a barbecue pit master. And with minimal effort, you now have oven-like precision at the grill. You can serve the tastiest, juicy meals each and every time. And if you have a barbecue guru controller already, just hook it right up to the fan and away you go. Two new controllers out there as well, the DynaQ and the UltraQ, bbqguru.com. Or call them at 800-288-GURU. And the uh, segment with John Marcus was brought to you by Smithfield. Head to smithfield.com throughout the grilling season for recipes as well as tips and tricks from world champion pitmaster like Chris Lilly. Darren Worth, Ernest Cervantes, and Childs Cridlin, mouthwatering flavor, and no artificial ingredients, a hallmark of Smithfield fresh pork. Quite simply, some of the finest pork money can buy. It's trusted choice of world champion pitmasters for use at home and at competitions. We're back to wrap the whole show right after this. Stick around. Whole packers, full racks, legs and thighs, injecting butts. If you've never heard this before, you might think you found the best Triple X show ever. Let's get back to the most homoerotic host out there today, Craig Rimpy. And rounding it out, the Smoke Sheet, a free weekly newsletter that keeps you in the know on everything happening in the barbecue world, including top news, events, recipes, and more, started by Ryan Cooper and Sean Ludwig. Both of them traveling around the country to find the best barbecue news and then report on it. Sign up for it at bbqnewsletter.com. That's bbqnewsletter.com, a great all-in-one source covering the live fire industry. And we are now caught up. So let's do this. Let's get on out while the getting's good. All the way back in the first hour, we talked with Meathead, Father's Day Gifts, pay-per-view platforms not making the Hall of Fame. Second hour, John Marcus and an extended return to the show, which was appreciated. 
And closing it out with Dave Bosca. He has barbecue mud coming in about 10 days. Head on over to ButcherBBQ.com to grab yours. 10 days time. That's the 19th. And you can be a champion like he was on the TV show. How about that? We had the guy that did the TV show's creation and the guy that won the TV show. And Dave Bosca, back-to-back. That's what you find on this show. Professionalism and top-notch all the time. All the time. we got a big show planned for you next week. It's already booked out all the way. Stephen Reichlin in. Robin Lindars in. I got other guests that I can't remember right off the top of my... The whole show is booked already. This I can tell you. Actually, the fourth Tuesday is almost all booked already, too. But June is a fifth month, or a fifth Tuesday month. So bonus Tuesday show. September 11th, 2001. I will never forget. And until next Tuesday at 9 p.m. Eastern, it's your program host and Prodios American, Greg Rempe. Good night now.